Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. It is a Thursday afternoon in Salt Lake City, at least at least my half of the call. Uh, the other half is Anchorage, Alaska. We're on the line with Jamie Lasau, um, Alaska's most famous and only comedian, or are, are there other ones up there? Well, I'll tell you. Oh, and I should say, I actually live in Fairbanks, which is even more remote than Anchorage. Uh oh, <laughs> I'm really up there. Like sometimes I have a layover in Anchorage. That's how far away I am. So um, you know how to find out if there's other comedians in Alaska. All you have to do is uh, you go on a radio and say that you're the radio show and say you're the only one. And then they will email you and tell you that uh, you're wrong. And so there are some comedians here. There's these two guys. Um, there's two guys, Glenner and Jerry Evans are the two other comedians in Alaska. And oddly enough, they introduced me to my wife who's now my ex-wife, but I met her through them because they book the gig up here. And that's how I met. That's why I'm here is because those guys booked me up in Fairbanks and then uh, I'm not mad at them. It all worked out. Okay. Have you heard of uh, Becky Bronstein? She started up in Canada and now she's in Portland. Oh, okay. So she, she's another one that she calls herself a, an Alaskan yeah I'm not sure it's I was going thing, man it's like a fun uh <laughs> it's like you know like every, i i really like it because it's i i subscribe to the um i don't know if it's a mantra or whatever but i always i always follow like you know marcus aurelius and stoicism i love how he says the impediment to the way is the way and then there's more words but i think of everything as much as i can like the obstacle ends up becoming a better situation than it would have been. And I feel that way about Alaska. I could be super mad. My kids live 5,000 miles from where I work in New York City. Super inconvenient, expensive. I don't know anybody here. But I chose to like think of it like in the best possible way. And it is like they have these, they go to these great schools and, you know, I it's, it's a fun thing to talk about. It's the first thing everyone asks me about when I'm on shows. Like it makes it kind of unique because everyone else lives in, the places you're supposed to live in so it's not it's not the not the worst thing you know and it probably helps that you have control you know somewhat control of your schedule when you can you know say yes or no to make sure you make yeah for them for sure i'm actually off for uh i'm so busy my schedule is absolutely insane but i did carve out i got two weeks off and it's the i don't even know what to do with myself it's so and i've been so busy and it's so nice to just pick up kids from school and you know play nerf basketball and watch movies and stuff it's been really good yeah i i know how busy you are now because you know you were on my radar before but now i really see how busy you are we started uh, working together i make graphics for you for your upcoming shows you're great man you crush oh, it yes. your graphics are amazing. <laughs> i want to tell you i want to give you this plug so it's funny my um I have this new manager who I love and he helps me with every part of everything. And we had been talking, I just got new headshots and we'd been talking about like, you know, let's pick certain ones, certain ones we'll use for promo, certain ones we'll do. And he was in Montreal because the Montreal comedy festival. And I didn't want to wait. I, I was like getting impatient. And so I messaged you after you sent me the graphic for that you made for my upcoming show at uh, wise guys. And I said, like, dude, will you make one? Just will you make me one of these? You know, can I hire you to make me one of these? And he yeah. loved it. He he was all on board. He was like, it's so he's like so good, man. So he, yeah. he get the stamp of approval. 
Awesome. Sp speaking of comedy, how, how did you start? Oh, so uh, I... Yeah, big comedy question. Yeah. So I wanted to be a comedian like my whole life without knowing it was even a job. Like, I mean, I watched like Rodney Dangerfield's, those young comedian specials. And I was like, oh my God. But I didn't realize it was a real job. And so I ended up doing, I did like an open mic and I met all these comedians and I was talking to them. And I, and I go like, what is, is this just a thing you guys do like on the weekend, you know, like at night you worked and they were like, no, this is our, this is our job. I'm like, what are you talking? Like, you can be a comedian. And so they sat down and explained to me, like, you can do this for a job and this is how you do it. You host and then you move up. And so I started working for these dudes. Guy's name was Dan Liberto in Rochester, New York. And he started booking me at, you know, it'd be a bowling alley, a restaurant, a show, whatever. And so I started that for years. And then, Dylan, I was going to go to law school and I was going to law school. I got accepted at the University of Buffalo. I moved in. I went there and I just started, I got my first week at a comedy club, like at the Buffalo Funny Bone. Somebody, you know, at that time I would get booked if someone was in like a horrible accident and they needed like a last minute replacement. And so I was always rooting for people to get hurt. And so I ended up getting like, I pick up a last minute thing that goes really good. And then they go, you want to come work at the Cleveland Improv? We own that club too. And I was like, shoot, man, I got to go to law school, you know? And so I really thought about it. And I, I, I went, I went up there to law school. I moved in and I was really thinking about it. I got a piece of paper that said I would owe like $300,000 at the end of law school. And I was like, wow, man, if I go through with this, I got to pay that money back. I got to be a lawyer. And so I go, I don't think I want to do this. And so I ended up going home and my dad was on the couch. I remember like it was yesterday, he was reading a paper and I go, dude, I don't think I can go to law school because, and I explained what was going on. And my dad was like, okay, let's do that. And he drove me to school grabbed all my stuff and I came back home and he was like super supportive. And then I just hit the road. I hit the road as hard as I could. And just, it's been 26 years. You know, I lived out of my car for the first five years. I didn't like, you know, I mean, I had gigs, but I didn't have an address and just kept going and going, man. And then I look back, I can't believe I'm still getting away with it. What attracted you to law in, in the first, in the first place, just, you know, I had this buddy, this is, I can't believe this is my answer, but I swear it's true. I had this friend who I used to go partying with, we would drink all the time. And he one day goes, I can't go out tonight. I'm studying for the law school exam. And I was like, oh, okay. And I go, do you want me to help you study? He goes, yeah. And if you've ever, the law school exam is really fun. It's like puzzle riddle problems. And it's a lot of logic. I loved it so much. And so I go, I'll help, I'll help you every day. I'll help you study every day. And so I would go and help him study. And then when the test came up, he was doing like a practice test. And just for fun, I took it and we got the same score. And I was like, oh, I guess I've also studied for the law school exam. And so I just took the LSAT because I had studied and I did good. And then I was like, all right, maybe I'll try. That's that's it. Like, I don't know if I would have been. a. I don't even know if I would have liked it. I just, you know, you don't know what the hell to do in your life. And that was a, a I could follow my friend and do that. And so. That's why I was going to do that. Peer pressure. Wow. <laughs> Peer pressure into law. <laughs> so 20, you said 26 years. What, what yeah, have I'm, been, also, oh, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really bad with dates. So that might be, not be true. I did the Tonight Show in 2001. 2001. That's 22. It's about right. That's about right. Okay. What have been some of your favorite gigs or, you know, things like the Tonight Show that you've done? Uh, dude, Tonight Show was surreal. That was the like a 
that's all I ever wanted to do was a set on TV. I thought if I do set on TV, I'm done. I did it. And that, so that was absolutely amazing. And, um, one of the most, uh, what's the word? One of the biggest catalysts in my career, like a set that really changed the course of everything was I opened for, I was doing a radio show in upstate New York. I was like the sidekick, like the radio guy and Rob Schneider called in. I'd never met him and he was doing a show in town and I was like fanning out. I was like, I love you, dude. You're the best. You know, I was telling, I was saying all this stuff and um he was like hey come do a set at my show and i was like what and so like last minute he goes come up it's tonight so i went up i did a set and it went really really good dude i so i go up i'm not on the show he just adds me to the show doesn't tell anybody i get to this theater rob's in the green room i meet him for two seconds nice to meet you door closes i go worth it like i got to meet rob schneider but i thought that was all i would ever see of him and then the it was at a college there's a theater at a college and the booker comes up and goes, Hey, there's this improv group that just started and they're going to, they want to go up in front of you and do like an improv set. And I, they go, do you care? I go, I don't care. I'm not even on this gig like this, whatever, this just all happened. And so they go up and I'll tell you something, dude, if there's comedy in heaven, you get to follow an improv group that's never performed before. (laughs) Because it was like the best set I have ever. The whole crowd was like, oh, my God, prepared material. Uh, it was the best. And then Rob was watching and he thought I did. He thought I did a good job. And so he he goes, can I talk to you after the show? Just are you going to stick around? I go, yeah. And after the show, he was like, I want you to write for me. I was like, OK. And so like the following week, I was just some radio guy, man. And the following week I wrote like his he did the roast of Quentin Tarantino and I wrote all his jokes and it went really good. And he got, he got a lot of good feedback. And so we ended up like, um, that was it. We just kept doing more and more stuff together. We eventually did the real Rob TV show on Netflix. That was, you know, about five, six years in. Fun show, that's, yeah. that was, that's probably best gig I ever did. Yeah. I, I love you on there. Thanks man. Very slapstick and, you know, and I've been a personal assistant. So I've, I've felt a lot of those things. Yeah. <laughs> that's was, a tough you know, gig, man. Yeah personal says did you like it and was the person nice to oh, you yeah he, he's a local restaurateur and i actually met my wife through one of his companies oh, okay before i met him you know so i kind of owe him but you know he's yeah nice guy but it was just kind of just buying groceries and yeah it was really weird stuff but yeah i i related a lot <laughs> yeah with your your stuff in the show and what's I've and what's funny is that character is it's based on someone that I that I knew and I met and so it was that was a weird thing to sort of like the guy probably knows like the guy like he wouldn't he's he's a really good guy but um I really based a lot of that almost I mean almost everything is true that happens in that show everything I mean even almost everything like the I get Rob has me get a vasectomy in the show to see like what, if it's going to hurt a lot, that one we stole from that happened to a, that was a real story that happened to uh, I can't remember. Some actress had her personal assistant get a breast enlargement to see what it was like for her. But most of that stuff is uh, totally true, man. And Rob's wife also wrote on that show with you guys, right? She did. She did. She's amazing. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. She's, she seems really cool. 
She's um, so cool, dude. I'm, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but I'm just going to. But we just signed a contract to write the animal, too. Remember the animal? Yeah. So they want to do like a cool version where like it's like this many years later and like, you know, his animal parts are failing now, you know, because he's had like the dog parts for 12 years. And uh, me and Patricia are writing are writing that movie. We just we just kind of finalized it the other day. So that's our next thing we're doing. I'm pretty excited about that. Very cool. News breaking here, everybody. Right. (laughs) I probably am not supposed to say anything, but I'm not good at. I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. Maybe it'll help move it along. Yeah. Um, and then you, you've also got on Trite for you know, other TV shows. You, the man, what is it called on CBS? Yep, man with a plan. With, with Matt LeBlanc. Did, did he yeah. write on the show as well? He did not write. He, okay. uh, he would throw out some ideas now and then, but he, uh, that dude is a multi-cam genius in my opinion like that guy i don't know who's better at multi-cam sitcom him and like kevin james and he's unbelievable like what he can do with the with the words you give him that guy is amazing you need someone like that on a tv show you need like one guy that's like the force if you look at how many shows get canceled a lot of times it's because that's a really specific skill to be able to drive a multicam and leblanc has it and that was a that was an awesome job i sat in a writing room with two guys that were like in my wedding like two comedians like i close friends like it was like hanging out in a green room telling jokes every day it was a joy that job was so fun it was so easy i was really upset when when it got um canceled i thought there was no way it was getting we had done it was season four and they were going into season five and it would have syndicated. It was owned by CBS. Like everyone thought it was getting picked up. When I saw a text message saying, oh, sorry, it didn't get picked up. I didn't even believe it. I was so sure it was going to happen. And then I was really sad. I was like depressed for a while. So I was like, oh my God, I, that's what I, that would have been my plan. That's what I thought I was doing. And then what's funny is right at that time was when um, I started, when Gutfeld had messaged me and said, Hey, could you do my new show? And I'm like, yeah. And it's funny how looking back, I'm so glad that that show did not get picked up because I, I love the alternative route that I ended up taking. Sometimes we don't know what, what's good for ourselves. You know, we don't know what the good news and bad news is until later. Exactly. Those sliding doors, those crossroad moments. Yeah, they can, they can be, be good and bad. And it sounds like yours have been good and just, great timing yeah i just trust everything man i'm learning more and more i learned that you really do not know what is good news or bad news you think you do and i every time i have to keep reminding myself like when i like when that show didn't get picked up i was like well how can this be good news and i'm like it might be you don't know like you just never know what's good and bad news and then i look back and i go oh wow it was the best possible thing and speaking of driving force personalities on this uh, new film you worked on with Rob and um, Adam Sandler's wife and a list of people, um, you work with John Cleese. Yeah, man. How was that? Dude, do you know him, right? Are you, oh, yeah. are you uh, aware of him? Um, yeah. Funny, man. Some of the young people, they don't know what the hell. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It was uh, 
they say like don't meet your heroes whatever this was the opposite experience of that slow this man was a he's an absolute sweetheart we became very close immediately to where like he called me the next week just to sort of chat and say hi he is a hilarious amazing human being and i could it's surreal like he was my dad's favorite guy and he was my favorite guy. I got to have dinner. I got to tell him about my dad liking him. And he, man, I can't say enough about this guy. He's a pro. He still got it. Sharp as can be. He's super funny in the movie. He's got so much stuff going on. He's like writing his own feature film right now. He just did two more movies. I think he did. I think he was in Clifford, the big red dog. Just a great, just a great guy, man. Like the, per, you know, exactly what you want when you meet somebody and, and more. Awesome. Yeah, he came to uh, Fanex Salt Lake, which is our Comic Con, and he he did a panel, and it was just oh, really cool. awesome to experience him in person, even if it's just like questions and yeah. Stuff. And Rob also did the Fanex also. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he does that same well, year. But yeah, um, I love those things, man. I love um, I love meeting people and like signing stuff, like. A lot of, you know, comedians will sell merch after a show, like CDs or T-shirts or something. And um, I started selling a thing because I'm like, oh, I, I came up with like what I think is a funny idea. And I, you know, like when you things are just starting to get insane for me, like it's just starting to get where so many people like it's getting like, you know, like shows are selling out and like people, hundreds of people line up. And this is very all very new to me, but I'm still trying to do I get why Cleese does that and why. Schneider does that. I mean, sure, I'm sure they get paid, but it's a great thing to connect with the people that like just bought a ticket to see your show. It's really great. And the, the sucky part is that you have to like really hurry it along if you have like a late show. But I love that, man. I, dude, I would, if I could ever do, if I could ever get to a point where people wanted me to come to like a signing thing, I would do that in a heartbeat. I love it. It's like another show. It's like doing an additional show, like to meet everybody for a second and give everybody like a little moment and take a picture. And I love all that. I'm going to try to not let, cause you know, your people tell you like, Oh, you need someone to sell stuff for you. And you don't need to do that anymore, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it until I, I literally cannot do it anymore. No, I, I, I've, you know, working at the comedy club for so long, I've seen, you know, many comedians out there selling their own stuff, just talking to everybody and both mm -hmm. them and, you know the fans are you know their faces yeah. light up it's it's awesome to see yeah it's so so good for everybody yeah totally um who who inspires you who's like some of your heroes writing comedic you know oh man i have a lot i would say um you know really i i love i feel like the new measure of success now is freedom and like the ability to not be canceled, to create a career where you, you don't rely so much on external forces to where like someone could cancel you for some dumb thing or whatever. And I think Louis CK has done the best job anyone's ever done of promoting things on his website and sort of like being his own guy. So he's very inspiring. Andrew Schultz is blowing me away. I just, got hip to him like a couple of years ago. And he's just, I, I love, I like people's comedy, but I like when it combines with like a cool business structure and doing things differently. And so those two guys are huge inspirations and 
I'm trying to kind of like modeling some of the stuff I'm, I'm doing uh, from those guys, man. I love, uh, there's so many great comics. Now you have like Mark Norman is a killer and has he been oh, to the club? Oh yeah. He comes quite often. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, earlier this year he was there. But then I also like Joe Rogan. I like how Rogan, I like how he does like, like nine things. I like how he does. He's a UFC commentator. He hosts a podcast and I like how he also does stand-up shows. And I think that's so important to do like 10 things. I like to have, I have five things going on right now where like five years ago, I would have been doing just one. Like I would have been like, Oh, I'm writing a movie. That's good for now. And now I do, I do like at least three, but hopefully like five things at once. And that's what I love when I see that. That's, I kind of stole that, stole that model from like the Rogans and the, you know, those kind of guys. Yeah, Rogan's awesome. I met him once and he, he was just talking with a bunch of comics and Keith and he was just talking about how always work on your craft. Don't, don't fall on your laurels. You know, yeah. is, you know, him as Joe Rogan, he could go in there and say whatever and get paid and right. love it, you know, but if, you know, if you're not advancing and, you know, take care of it, you know, keeping yeah. it up. It, it's, and he, and you're right. He doesn't have to do anything. He, he has probably more money than he could even spend, but he works so hard. He still records, you know, hours of podcasts and goes and does these shows. And he, do, and he, you're right. He doesn't do the, you know, like the celebrity victory lap where you just try to get 20 bucks from people and, but the show is okay. He works really hard. He's always, yeah, he's always creating and writing. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I wish I was more like that. You'll, you'll get there. <laughs> I yeah. think uh, when, when you're being creative, writing and working with other people, what situ situations are like the best for you? Like you, you guys collect ideas first and then bounce them off each other or just sit there and group? Yeah, creative. I would say it's different depending on the situation. Like at Man with a Plan, it was 11 people in a room and you all pitch ideas out loud when you think of something. And I loved that. I'm really, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but have you ever had it where you have a friend or something and when you call them on the phone, you're suddenly really funny. Like this person makes yeah. you funny. Like there's like a buddy and you're like, wow, I'm hilarious when I talk to this guy. And then I have other people where when I talk to them, I'm not funny at all. I don't know what's going on. Like there's like a certain kind of chemistry or vibe where you can't be funny. And so for me, Number one is it's got to be those people that make that environment where I'm, but I've had, I know people that don't even think I'm funny at all because I get, I don't know what it is. It like, we don't, we don't gel. We don't have the same sense of humor and it doesn't work. And so when I write, if it's a writer's room with like three people that I really, really gel with, it's not even working. And that's how I work with everything. And then like Rob's wife, Patricia, we have the exact same sense of humor. I, I spend I, probably once a day, I send her a video that I find online where I'm like, oh, she's going to laugh for a half hour because of this thing. Like we're on the same exact page. And so I'm with Robin, with Rob Schneider and his wife, I'm sort of the writer. So I'm like, I, I have the computer. I keep all the files. I type every word. And then usually separately, I'll work with Rob. We'll write a few pages he goes away. I'll work with Patty that night. We look at what we wrote. So like, I'm kind of like the, the constant 
with them. Like I'm always there, but it's not always all three of us. I'm pretty good at like gathering the ideas and picking the best ones and like making the, making it all work. That's kind of my job with, with those. That's how we wrote like real Rob and stuff. That's really cool. I always, I'm always curious about people's creative dynamics. Cause I, I work from home by myself. So I'm kind of in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. So did you always work? Was this a pandemic thing or you've always been like that? Well, for wise guys, it's always been from home, just you oh, okay. know, whenever I did it and I'd have day jobs and stuff. But since I just started at dry bar where you did a special, yeah, um, man. um, I've been working there at the past like year and a half and it, oh, it, okay. home, and I, you know, go down for meetings and stuff, but I love dry bar, man. I love dry bar. Dry bar was amazing. It also, it, I've, it, it challenges comedians to, to be like clean and to be able to get laughs with a, I love that. And that's, it, it's, I get recognized just walking through the mall sometimes from, I have one clip that went absolutely crazy. My craft store one, I think it got 10 million views or oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I love what they do. I love what dry bar does. I'm such a, I'm such a huge fan of, uh, of how, how they do it. They're very fair to the comics. It's, you know, like it's hard to film a special. You got to come up with all this money for upfront costs. And I really like how, dry bar gives that opportunity to guys that might not be able to get together like you know do it all on their own and for me man like you know i could have done it by myself but to have everything done for you and you just walk in and do the jokes that's that's just so much easier big fan big fan of the dry bar Uh, what was your experience you know that actually recording themselves the audiences amazing like the, I know there were, it got during the pandemic, things got weird. I know there were like, I got in right before the pandemic. So I got to fill mine regular crowd packed wall to wall. I did, you do two shows. I remember after the first show, I was like, we're good. We're done. They were such a ridiculous crowd. Everyone was so nice. It was, it was all good. It was all, it was such a great experience. Uh, your stuff is generally pretty clean. Well, what was it like writing those jokes more specifically for that that clean crowd? You know, I did. Man. I'll tell you the truth. I had just gotten divorced like six months before I filmed that special. And so as a comedian, your jokes reflect your life. And so when something like that happens, it's really you got to write a new act, basically, because everything you're saying isn't true anymore. If you say like my wife. And so it kind of worked out perfectly because all that stuff was pretty clean anyway. And I thought, Hey, I'll just do my married stuff and that'll be it. You know, like, I'll just sort of like, this yeah. will be the last time I do like these, these jokes. And so it kind of worked out really well, pretty, pretty good timing. So I may have pretended I was married when they were filming that, but I knew I was getting divorced, but it was all right. I think it's all right. It was a way to like retire that stuff. Yeah, I've heard that, you know, rogue comics, it's hard, hard to stay married. And I'm not digging into any of the relationship stuff, but did, you know, being a rogue comic affect that? Yeah, I I think it's, I, uh, being a woman that's married to someone that travels that much and this stressful of a dude, I, I, in my situation, we're really good friends, me and my ex, but there was never a moment where I was like, I blame you for this. I don't understand. I totally understand. It's a, it's the craziest, it's the craziest life. 
And what's funny is you start, you know, you could get a radio job and then have a regular life. But if you're doing comedy, you're legitimately doing comedy. You're gone all of the time as you try to just get to a point where you could be successful. But then what's funny is once you start to get successful, it's not like you go, oh, cool, I'm going to take six months off. Well, now you have to put your foot on the gas and be gone and do all these other things for all these other reasons. You want to save money so your kids can go to college and strike while the iron's hot. And so it never ends. And I, I, I uh, empathize with any woman that would try to date a comedian or something. It's, it's got to be the toughest thing ever. Uh, I can only imagine. Uh, I'm not a comedian. Uh, I think I'm funny sometimes, but... <laughs> um, uh da, 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 da. where am i i think i've covered a lot of the questions yeah i think i've covered everything that i wanted to what, what was uh, well, we didn't mention the name of the the movie the new movie you're working with. oh yeah so the new movie is daddy daughter trip and i would bet that we will end up doing a the theatrical thing i'll bet we do one in salt lake city because salt lake has been crazy supportive of rob schneider and of me man i had one of the best weeks i can't wait to come back like to salt lake there's tons of gutfeld fans in salt lake it's one of our i think it's one of our top 10 markets and so they've always been super supportive so i'll bet we end up doing a a theater release there and you can follow me on you know instagram and i am jamie Lissell. i'll always post whenever there's a new um a new uh, showing and then it will most likely it'll be available on some kind of streaming thing after this uh, release, but it's daddy daughter trip. And yeah, it's with uh, Jackie Sandler, Adam Sandler's wife. And she is a joy. She's so talented. She absolutely crushed it and blew all of us away. She's really good in his movies, but this was a real opportunity to see like what she can do. It's a, there was an emotional range. It's not, like a slapstick movie. It's like a real movie with real heart. And she was as good as anybody you'll see on the big screen. She crushed it. And yeah. And John Cleese, Rob Schneider, like the kids we got, kids can be a nightmare on, on movies. They can be, they can not be good. They can be hard to deal with our kids. One of them was Rob Schneider's actual daughter, Miranda knocked it out of the park. And um, this little dude, Gavin was our other boy. Unbelievable. I'll bet both of them could be in sitcoms if they choose to be that we got very lucky with those guys, but yep. Daddy daughter trip and uh, theatrical release. I think it's the end of uh, September is our first one. Probably do that for a few weeks and then you'll be able to just like watch it at home in the comfort of your home. It'll be on some streaming thing. Well, nice. If you do do a, a, a screening here, I'll definitely catch it. Heck yeah, um, man. And uh, Wise Guys, October 13th, downtown. That's right. I believe that's a Thursday. And then um, I have some bonus questions. Sure, I'll take a bonus question. Uh, the first one is, what does creativity mean to you? Oh, man. Creativity to me is, I think it's, um, I, think, I think of it as problem solving in the most enjoyable way and it's maybe my favorite thing to do i even like when someone calls me up say someone goes oh i have this 
I talked to my friend today. He's, he's doing a, like pitching a sitcom. I love when someone calls me up and says, I'm pitching the sitcom. Can I, can I run it past you? It's in an hour. Can you give me any jokes or ideas? I love that. That to me is creativity. And the only thing I'm good at in my whole life is that type of thing. But I also like, if someone calls me up and says, I'm doing a gig in Omaha, I'm trying to figure out whether to rent a car or fly or get a hotel. I love that too. And I think that everywhere in your life, there's room for creative solutions to anything, no matter how mundane. And I feel like that's how I spend all of my day. Like my kid had a project due yesterday for school and he asked me for help. And I was like, this, this is what I do, man. I got gotcha. you. This is what I do. And we came up with like this creative way to hand in the project, even though everything was closed and he waited till the last minute and it was 10 o'clock at night, we came up with a way to like hand something in. So to me, it's like that. It's like problem solving in a fun way. Yeah. That last part, it sounds just like my wife. She doesn't consider herself creative, but like she's very crafty. She bakes and like stuff, yeah. stuff like that with my son, she's able to pull together amazingly. So yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're getting at there. Uh, the next bonus question is, who's your favorite Muppet and why? Dang, man. I think I got to go. Uh, I think I got to go Kermit. I think I'm going Kermit. And um, I'm not super Muppet guy, but I just feel like that Kermit guy, he had, I never liked Miss Piggy. I thought, uh, I thought that was a bad match for him. Um, I never thought they should have been together. I think she's really mean. I think he's got that star appeal, you know, Kermit. He's not intimidating. He's got that likable thing. He's also got the range. He's doing jokes. He's singing. I think hands down, if I were to be a Muppet, I would want to be Kermit. And this is kind of along similar lines. Um, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? Oh, wow. That's good. You know what? I would say shooting for the moon, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller or Paul Rudd. I don't think I look like them, but I love them so much. If I had to pick someone that could probably embody me, it would be Ed Helms. But I'm going Ben Stiller would be like the, mo the most amazing thing ever. Ben Stiller is a good choice. Have you seen Severance? Have you watched that show? Have on have yes. So good. So good. Was he the, did he direct that or was he the executive producer? He was like executive producer. I think okay. he was writing on it and some directing of episodes. Incredible. Yeah. Amazing show. Is there another season? Is it only one season so far? I'm, I'm pretty sure it got renewed for a second season. Okay. So good. I love stuff. like I love sort of futuristic but not that far in the future stuff that's my stuff right there like i don't big spaceships and i'm like i don't know i like when things are just a little bit different like where you could send your clone to work for you or something i that's my favorite genre is near future sci-fi and that, i love that it's retro at the same feels very yeah. retro at the same time yeah yeah that's genius apple tv man they got some good stuff on there for sure. Who would have thought? There's like 11 streaming services you have to have now. Remember when we were like, oh, we'll get rid of cable and we'll save all this money. I think I have 20 things I subscribe to. Yeah. Apple, Amazon. Apple, OnlyFans. 
Yeah, Disney Plus, Hulu, you know, HBO Max. I have ESPN Plus, so I can watch my UFC fights. Yeah, and then yeah, there's so many. It's probably equals to what we were paying for, but uh, totally. That's exactly what happens. But all good. Well, thank you, Jamie, for coming on. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man. Good chatting with you. Really enjoyed it. And I'll probably hit you up for some more graphic work here. And we are and you're not going to be in town, right? When I'm there, you'll be in Florida. I'll be in Florida. Yeah, we're there okay. the first through the 16th. So the 13th. We'll, we'll catch you next time, man, for sure. And just a little background for everybody. Jamie was with us in the early days of your creativity before it was a podcast. We has had him as a blog guest. I sent you some questions and that's right. So yeah, many welcome. years ago. Welcome well, good back. stuff, man. Continued success. Really enjoyed the chat. So run through your socials, everybody, so they can check you out and get tickets and watch sure. the bar. So I have um my website where you can get to everything is jamielisso.com. If you forget that, it's robschneidersfriend.com. Um, <laughs> I do the Gutfeld show all the time. So I think I think I also have gutfeldsfriend.com and um, Greg Gutfeld's friend. I can't remember. Uh, but then I have, I'm, I am Jamie Lisso on uh, Instagram, Jamie underscore Lisso on Twitter. Very nice. Well, thank Good you. Stuff, man. Man. Well, you got well, it, my brother. Good talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see. I hope to see you soon. Will do. Yep. Okay, man. Talk to you later. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>